Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your life to listen to what I have to say. And today's episode is about focus, where you give your attention, what you feed, and your attention is currency. It is what you give to grow things in your life, the people around you, the world in general. I mean, this is on a micro and macro level. There's so much to talk about. That being said, I think that this will be a little bit of a shorter episode, but still quite a lot to think about and to talk about. And hopefully this prompts some thinking and provoke some further thought after this is done and causes you to re-examine how you spend your time and how you spend your thoughts, so to speak, how you spend your attention. Because again, it really is a currency and it's worth its weight in gold. It affects your whole life. It colors your whole life. It is your life. And even just think about the attention that we give to news stories. So if you, like me, don't love that our media is made up of articles and news stories and spotlights and segments on celebrity relationships and certain things aren't necessarily so deep or thought-provoking or great or on the up and up, and if they seem exploitive to you, Think about why they are there, supply and demand. It's because people give attention to them. They're just, the media are just giving the people what they want, what the people have shown them what they want, right? So every time you click on something, every time you put eyeballs on something, every time you read something, listen to something, watch something, you're part of that demand. You're part of showing them this is what we want. Give us more of this. So one way for you to take a stand is to not give any attention to it. Yes, you're just one, but you're one. And ripple effect. And if everybody did that, or if more people did that, then there'd be less demand for it. And then hopefully the market would shift accordingly and the media would shift accordingly. Sounds like a pipe dream, maybe. Sure. But I mean, revolutions have started with less, right? It just takes one to start it. And All you have control over is yourself. And I didn't mean to get so preachy with this, but there's so much to be said for the power of your attention and the power of your focus. And that's for the world around you. So let's talk about how you spend your attention affects your life. So something that has been on my mind lately is money and I'm fortunate. I've never had to worry about money. I've never had to budget. That being said, I am still very careful with how I spend my money. I have my values. Health is very important to me. My skin has been very important to me in trying to get that dialed in. 
so that's where I spend a lot of my money. But you're talking to a girl who reuses parchment paper because it's still good, still works. Why wouldn't I? And so I do. And I try to be very careful about how I spend my money. And the older I get, the more I'm willing to spend on quality, quality over quantity, and also spend on lifestyle. And if it's something that I really want that will make me happy, I will get it. I balance that out and try to, I mean, get a little deeper under that and try to figure out, okay, why do I want this? Not to say that I like, oh yes, I actually do overanalyze everything I do. So yeah, yeah, I do. I do. So if something is going to just make me happy to have it and it's within my means, absolutely. Now I'm more willing to get it. Whereas before I'd be like, no, you know, I'd more pride myself. But now I'm like, no, that hand lotion or whatever that will, it's sustainably sourced, it's well-made, that will bring me so much joy. Yeah, it's going to give me a little extra zhuzh, yeah. Or I finally found, I think, cracked the code on non-toxic home fragrance. Do I need it? No, that's an extra. But it makes me so happy. And your mental health counts for a lot, I think. And so... That's something that I splurge a little on. Again, it's still well within my means. If you find yourself spending with beyond your means, then that's something, that's a mental health issue. I think that's something that you need to just dive a little deeper into. Try to figure out what's compelling you to try to fill a hole or try to get a dopamine boost, a serotonin boost. Like what are you trying to achieve? What retail therapy are you trying to do to fix you or to make you feel better or whatever? Not to say not to say that I'm not above just a feel-good shopping spree, but again, I mean balance, right? Wow, I really go off the rails and off on a tangent when I talk, but there's just there's so many angles to look at with anything that I bring up, so that's why. So back to retail therapy and how I spend my money, and money has been on my mind. And so really I've never I mean, I remember I used to forget to cash checks. Like I worked at pretzel time in the mall when I was a teenager and I would forget to cash my checks and they would have to reissue them because it would be so long. <laughs> my bosses were like, what is the matter with you? I've never had this issue before with anybody. Never have I ever. But I just, I'm lucky. Again, I get that that's privilege. That's luck. That's fortune. I was blessed with a comfortable lifestyle, never wealthy, wealthy by any means, especially not relatively, but I guess relatively to other parts of the world and other people in the world. I've just always been grateful and I'm grateful too. It hasn't gone beyond my notice. I'm grateful that when I go to the grocery store, because I have some very expensive grocery runs with all my produce and they get really expensive, especially now. And I am so grateful that I can just toss in the cart without trying to like do fast math or frantically calculate if I can afford it. I've never had to cross my fingers and pray that when I get up to the register, my card would go through or like I would be able to slide through in between like the time that it's charged in between like the money lands in my account. I've just always had the money that I've needed and that I've wanted to cover my needs. I've taken a little pride in my high credit score. And you know, when I go to the dealership and buy a new car, I can pay cash. I'm not bragging. Because again, a lot of this comes from luck. Some of it I will take credit for because it is smart money management, but I also learned that from my parents. My mother modeled that for me. So 
that's what's helped me. I mean, it's not all me, but I will take some credit for that. As I hope you do, you know, the things that you do well. I hope you take credit for the things that are going well in your life. Anyway, so, see, tangent. So, back to money. But lately, as I've been contemplating a new purchase, a new huge purchase in the name of a new house, and, you know, how the market is, how it is today, all of a sudden I just kind of felt mortal all of a sudden. Like, I didn't have endless funds. And that was a new feeling for me. Again, it's it's kind of funny because you're talking to somebody who's not rolling in the millions. But I just have very minimal needs, I guess. And so I've always had more than enough for what I need. And I just have always had... I mean, I have no debt. I have zero debt right now. I, I paid off my house a few years ago. I My car's paid for. So I have nothing. And so coming from that, you know, just feeling so comfortable. Like, if I want to get up and fly off to somewhere across the world, I can. I have the money. That's such a good feeling. And now all of a sudden I'm like, huh, well, there are limits to that. And also part of what was a catalyst for that too was getting to a certain age so getting to 35 and all of a sudden thinking okay well what's my benchmark and I've never been materialistic but weirdly enough I think it was like part of an age thing and just like reassessing my life checking in gauging progress and that's one benchmark that's one unit of measurement right your material possessions and what you have to show for it. Because when I was younger, I was always like, oh, I'm still young. I still have time to have like the solid like family house, the bigger home, the more established staples in life, I guess, you know, like I just have always felt like I was young, especially being single with no kids. I just kind of always felt like I was in limbo, like in Never Never Land where <laughs> not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> I listened to that song today on a podcast, the Britney Spears song. But if that makes sense, where I just had time, like, oh, no, I'm still young. But then when I got to 35 and I see all the people around me with their huge, big homes, especially if they're nice, huge, massive, big builds and they have their toys or they have their whatever markers of life progress, I guess, and I'm living in a home that's small, just barely over a thousand square feet. And I just barely switched out my stools, my bar stools. They were Ikea from college. I just barely switched those out. Just barely, barely updated some things in my home. And I just have really been thinking about that more and more. Where I don't have the millions I don't have the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't have $500,000 in my bank account. And I I just started to be more aware of that, I guess. And a little more self-conscious of that. Where looking at my life, what has changed? Looking at my life, would you be able... And again, like there are people... Like, not again, but there are people who were low-key millionaires, multi-millionaires that drive beater cars and who live in very humble abodes. So that's not always an accurate reflection of your actual overall wealth. 
and again, I'm not materialistic, so I don't need the new cars. I don't need the new toys. I don't need the new phones. So hopefully I'm communicate, communicating this clearly where it makes sense, where it was just a way for me to gauge my life and look at it. It was just an angle that I could look through to kind of see where I am in relation to others and temporal relation where I thought I would be at this point in my life. And it's different. My life looks different than I thought it would look at this stage in my life. And so going back to thinking about buying a new home, there's a new build and my sister pitched it to me a while ago. And initially I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, I don't need a new space. And I always thought, oh, I'll move when I get married or when I have kids, whatever. Hopefully those go hand in hand, might not, who knows. And so then I started thinking more and more seriously on it. And she was a big factor in that, as were some other friends. And they're like, hey, you you have been in your space for so long and your lifestyle means something to you and your home is very important to you. And so why not? Why not treat yourself to that? Again, it'd be, they know me well and they know it'd be within my means, but why not? So that all to say, money has been more and more on my mind. And now that I've started looking at homes and seeing how much things cost and then all like the hidden costs and then reevaluating my finances and what it costs to be Whitney Richardson and what I spend my money on and what I would need to accommodate my current lifestyle. And it just gets me thinking more and more about money. And then it's so easy to slide into that scarcity mindset where you just feel like I don't have enough. And then I start to feel claustrophobic and start to question every single purchase. And that's, it's good in a way. I mean, I guess I did that before too, but really started to really scrutinize every purchase. And then also, as is a human psychological condition, whenever you feel like you can't, that scarcity mindset, sometimes it drives you to want it even more. So what I felt like I needed to be more careful with my spending, all of a sudden it just flipped a switch and made me want to spend more just that law of scarcity and just to pendulum swing to the other end and so just more and more what I didn't have has been on my mind and so then I remembered luckily that what you feed grows where you put your attention matters and that is what your life will look like you don't even have to be into the manifestation aspect of all of this. This is also just it's a psychology thing. It's a physics thing. What you focus on will expand and become your reality. And even like subconsciously, I mean, there are studies that demonstrate this, where you are putting your attention subconsciously. That's where you're taking certain actions that you're maybe not even aware of or doing certain things maybe teeny tiny little incremental actions and words and things and thoughts that build up over time and or big ones too that often can escape your notice because you're not even aware. And so this paradigm that you have in your mind, this blueprint, this layout, you're supporting that knowingly or unknowingly with your actions and your words. And maybe you turn down certain, certain opportunities because fear is driving that thought that maybe you don't deserve that or no you have like a cap set there's a theory and I fully subscribe to it 
that you have a cap in your mind of how much you should earn and will earn, how much money you can have and should have and will have. It's fascinating. I invite you to dig into it more. And they found this. And I I feel it myself too. And there's a lot of fear that factors in, um, you know, different aspects that can factor in and affect this, what your cap is. And so awareness is very important here to to be aware of what your cap is and why that's your cap. Why you think that's the top amount that you can have and will have, top amount of money that you can have and will have. And just going back to where you put your attention. So that's what you're feeding and that's what you're fueling. Again, maybe wittingly or unwittingly, which is very cool to think about and very interesting. Our subconscious is just mind-blowingly powerful. And I find that just more and more and it's just, I mean, I was going to go off on another tangent, but I will keep it on the line right now and I will <laughs> try to stay focused, speaking of where you put your attention and your focus. And so it's just very interesting how what you focus on will perpetuate and continue and grow and just stay the same. I guess that's contradictory, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it won't, it won't change if you think that you're only going to have a certain amount of money, that's the money that you're going to have. That's the little slot that you have fit yourself into. And it won't change unless you take action to make it change. Unless you change your mental paradigm. Unless you change your actions. And so when I would focus on how much money I didn't have, that just fed that. Right? So then with my actions, you know, subconsciously, consciously, I would maybe spend more money or not orient myself around ways where I could receive more money. I mean, you can go pretty deep with this. So let's just kind of stay more on the surface with just, I would focus on what I didn't have. And that's no way to get to where you want to be. And that's not very enjoyable either as a way to live. So now I've really started to be more and more aware of when I start to get in that scarcity mindset and I try to get into an abundance mindset. This might sound too hippie for you, stay with me, because this is grounded in science and research, psychology. Very, very interesting. So now, with affirmations, with focus, with thought monitoring, I am able to snap myself out of it. And so, for example, a mantra that I keep repeating to myself over and over, an affirmation is... I attract money, I attract money, I attract money, I, and then, I mean, there are similar ones that you can say, and I don't want to be so focused on money to where I become materialistic, so I think that's a slippery slope too, but to bounce myself out of the scarcity mindset, this is what I'm doing to get back to balanced. I think with any advice and with really anything that helps you, because I think balance is the key to life, I say it over and over. That what's helping you is what's helping you get back to balance, get back to good. So that is what I need at this moment to get me back to balanced, right? So focusing on what I do have and how I do attract money. And another something that I do is I just look at all that I have. Like I'm recording this on podcast equipment that I had plenty of money to buy, on a laptop that I had plenty of money to buy. I look at all the things I'm driving in my car. Oh, look at this car that's all paid off that I had plenty of money to buy. 
ooh, look at, I'm looking in my medicine cabinet. Look at this full medicine cabinet that I had plenty of money to buy all the things and more that I needed and wanted. And so just shifting your thoughts and your awareness and your perceptions and your interpretations. And so that's really, really helped. And just thinking, oh, I have plenty of ways to receive money, to get more money, plenty of solutions. I read somewhere today that it was really cool. Kristen Cavallari had posted it on her Instagram, how every time there is a problem, there's always a solution. Just like with balance, the universe always has a, a solution to whatever problem there is. So it, you won't encounter a problem without a solution. There has to be that counterpart to it. I think that can come down to physics too. I mean, it's just interesting how all of that can go from the woo-woo into the science. You know, I think a lot of this realm that people perceive as like woo-woo and hippie-ish actually have some substance and some validity to it. So it's just, it's interesting how all of this fits together. But going back to every time that you encounter a problem, there's always a solution. And so if you feel like you don't have enough, there's a solution to that. And your time, speaking to that, your time is also worth something too. So I was joking with my sister yesterday about how I was going to get a part-time job just to, you know, if I get this new house and I'll have house payments and just to give myself a little bit more breathing room. And she's, and I had this thought too, so I was just joking, but your time was worth something too. So why take on more expense just to be a slave to that, right? Why would you take on more expense just to spend your time paying for that? And you might have heard those thoughts or seen those memes before where, especially in Western culture, especially in the U.S., where we're devoting our lives to paying off our quote-unquote necessities. So, for example, like you have these commuters in traffic spending their time spending their lives on commute on their way to a job they're in these cars that they're paying off that they have on loan you know that they don't own free and clear yet to go to a job so they can earn money to pay off that so it just really it just seems so nonsensical right like they're in these cars that they're that they need to make it to their job that they need buy their cars that they need to I mean it's just such a circle and so let's extend this to other areas of your life so maybe other areas that you're feeling inadequate in or that are stressing you out so how can we apply this to other areas of your life so when it comes to relationships, thinking of all the ways that your partner, your family members, or your coworkers, or whatever, aren't meeting your needs, they're not up to par, or they're not doing what you think they should be doing. And again, balancing this with boundaries and with reasonable expectations. I mean, this doesn't mean that you need to overlook the red flags and that you need to dissolve your boundaries, or that you need to just allow any and all behavior because, oh, we just need to be grateful and focus on the good. I mean, no, there are some real deal breakers. And so it's keeping a level head about that and keeping boundaries and working through that as to what's reasonable and what's not. And that can sometimes be a little challenging. But 
that all being said, focusing on what they do do well and how they do contribute to your life and how they are valuable. So for example, your partner drives you crazy because they don't shut all the cabinet doors, but what do they do well? How else do they serve you? How else do they show up for the relationship? Maybe they listen so attentively to you. Maybe they make you lunch. Maybe they make you dinner and do other great things that really contribute and elevate the relationship. Think about things that maybe your boss does that balance out the things that he or she doesn't do. And so just focusing on the positive aspects and not just the negative aspects, again, that forms your reality, right? And thinking about, for example, when it comes to winter, I have lived in a place my whole life that has frigid winters. (laughs) Why? (laughs) So I've really tried to embrace it and I've really tried to shift my thinking and my focus. Like, oh, well, at least I'm not sweating to death. That's really nice. I don't have to get all sweaty when I go outside, you know, where it can feel a little refreshing. And that's really nice. I don't have to mow my lawn. Yes, I have to shovel my snow, but it's a great workout. It's a great way to get outside. So just different ways that you can focus on the positive aspects. Again, this doesn't mean that I I do not believe on only looking for the positive in any and all situations because I think toxic positivity is a thing. And I think sometimes you just got to be okay with the shit and sit in it and not to rush to try to gloss over it and be okay with the discomfort. And there is a lot of value that comes with that. I mean, kind of tying that both together. So another benefit of winter is if you've heard of like brown fat, so cold temperatures promote uh, brown fat, which is better than I think white fat, or if you have like cold plungers or whatever, it can be great for your metabolism for your body, for your lymph detoxification, for other systems in your body. It can be really beneficial to you. And so focusing on the value that each state provides, getting literally physically uncomfortable, like in the cold, if you do like a cold plunge, for the value that that can provide and focusing on that value. You're still there for the discomfort. You're not trying to eliminate that or get rid of it you're embracing it but just kind of incorporating it and seeing its value and just being aware of where you put your attention overall and attention is such a dying thing that's not that's a very unsophisticated way to put it but we're gonna go with it especially in this day and age especially with technology where I I have ADHD but even gosh there's There are so many ADHD symptoms because of our technology, because of our lack of focus, because of our waning attention spans. Seriously, sitting down and watching TV, (laughs) more screen time, I have to fight often the urge to pick up my phone because I just have to be doing 10 things at once. Again, yes, I legitimately have ADHD, but even beyond that, so used to being overstimulated that I really, really have to strive and push to overcome that. And so reclaim your attention because your attention is your power. Where you focus is your power. Humans are able to achieve incredible things because of, a fo- because of their focus, because of attention. 
you look at people, yes, there's natural talent, but people who have really like mastered their craft or like honed their skills, or you see these incredible artists or people who like acrobats and people who can do just mind melting things. It's because they had the discipline and the focus to do that. You see these successful people, it's because they had the focus. It's because they spent their focus well. They focused well, the discipline and the focus. And what you focus on grows. What you feed grows. So what are you feeding? Really, think about that. I'm asking you to really stop this for a minute, pause it for a minute if you need to, and really think about what you focus on. Day-to-day, moment-to-moment, second-to-second, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on where you're falling short more? Focusing more on your stress? Are you focusing on the things you want to build? Are you focusing on what's being torn down? Or are you focusing on what's being built up or what you can construct and build? Are you focusing on what you can do? Are you focusing on where you do have control? Are you focusing on where things are going well? Are you focusing on the potential, the possibilities? Are you focusing on taking this in the same vein but slightly different angle? Are you giving your loved ones the focus and attention that they deserve and need? Are you listening to them when they are telling you a story? Are you distracted? Are you distracted by your phone or by doing 10 things? Especially for, you know, us in this busy, busy world, monotasking isn't very popular. And really multitasking, they've shown, they have studied this extensively and they've shown that there is no true actual multitasking because there's an attention lag. So you're never truly doing two things at once or multiple things at once. You can cognitively only do one thing at once. I mean, maybe a rapid back and forth, but even still, there's still a slight lag and you're not giving it your all. So monotasking is the way to go. And it's such a relief when I've, whenever I monotask, it's almost just a relief because it's like, oh gosh, you're, this is coming from someone with ADHD. So I, I do still, for me to really pay attention, it helps for me to be, have like some like low key stimulation. So if I like color while I listen, or if I walk, if I move while I listen, or if I have like a, a computer game like on my phone that I can listen, that helps me listen. But really like truly those those tasks that matter we should be monotasking and we'll get so much more done and such better quality work done when we can monotask man we've covered some ground in this episode um so just taking it back to the main point our attention counts for so so much so so much so i really hope this inspires you to think about what you're focusing on I hope it inspires you to examine your relationships to yourself, to others, to money, to the world. What are you focusing on? When you approach problems to solve, what are you focusing on? And this is another argument in favor of being open-minded too. Focusing on your blind spots, just knowing that you have blind spots. I mean, blind spots suggest that you're blind there, so you're not able to see. So that's why it's helpful to be open to other perspectives and maybe solicit other feedback and perspectives and be open to innovative ways of doing things and different ways of thinking about things and doing things. And just because something has been done one way doesn't mean it always needs to be done that way. And just think about what little area you're, you're focusing on. Like, 
I don't know if you've seen that visual or that picture of an elephant that is tied to this little stake in the ground. This elephant, this beautiful, enormous, strong animal could easily, easily, easily just yank this little stake out of the, out of the uh, ground and be free and run off. But it's their focus and it's how they're viewing it, that they think that they're stuck there and they're not. And so that's just a visual for that thought that how we're, we may think that we're stuck, but we just need to look at it from a different angle and we need to refocus and focus elsewhere. And so I hope this inspires you to do that, to re-examine and rethink and reevaluate areas of your life where you may feel stuck. Think about ways you can maybe shift your focus and... So that's what this is. And I know I've been inspired in my own life to do the same. And it feels really good. You guys, it feels really, really good. So thank you for listening. Hope you found this valuable. And as always, I love you. Thank you.